I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hi, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 33, in which we make quilty resolutions. Uh, yeah, this episode's going to be all about resolutions, or if you prefer, goals, because I know some people get a little antsy when we talk about New Year's resolutions. I'm myself big fan, but we will be talking about goals, how to make goals, why you might want to make goals, and um, I got a little challenge involved in that as well. Let's see, today is Saturday, December 18th, and just to let you know, I am going to give myself next week off for the holiday, so the next episode I'll be posting will be at the end of December, probably around the 30th. I want to start out by saying thanks to Di, Jay, Punk Rock Chick, Carlin, Cindy, Mama P, Lynn, Kathy, and Mary Sarah for commenting in all the various places you can comment. Thank you so much for that. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to you for uh, reading my blog and joining the Flickr group and signing up for the newsletter and all those wonderful things that you have been doing and uh, leaving comments and reviews on iTunes as well. So thanks for all of that. We appreciate it. We podcasters, it's always nice to know people are listening and talking back. I always say it's much easier to have a conversation than a monologue. <laughs> so thank you so much for commenting and giving me something to respond to. I I did mostly get a boatload of photos from finishes for the holiday challenge, which was a lot of fun. I love seeing them. I always love seeing pictures, but it was especially fun in this case because I could imagine them wrapped up under trees or being shipped (laughs) in the uh, U.S. parcel post for holiday gifts. So that was always a lot of fun. I'm not going to be posting the photos in the Flickr group. Um, Not that I think a whole lot of people are looking at the photos in our Flickr group, but just in case, I'm not going to post them until well after the holidays. And uh, unless you are the person who shared the photos and you would like to go ahead and do that, that would be great. We had 16 entrants in the holiday challenge. That was wonderful. I really appreciated it. Um, Given that I only had somewhere between three or four, I think, um, entrants both times I did the creativity challenge, I guess I've found the secret. All I have to do is challenge you to do something you're already doing, and it works. (laughs) Anyway, um, drum roll, please. I did create the list and uh, gave assigned everybody a number and then used an online random number generator to choose the to find out who had won the drawing and it is Carolyn A so I will be in touch with you Carolyn A to uh, let figure out how we're going to get the fabric to you so thank you so much to everybody for joining it was a lot of fun and again loved the pictures keep pictures coming by the way even if you didn't enter the challenge and you just want to show off some of what you've done uh, you can post them to our Flickr group quilting for the rest of us in Flickr and a lot of people will see them there it's really fun to look at each other's finishes it's also fun to look at each other's works in progress so go ahead and post them even if they're not done yet Okay, I have another story to share with you of um, a quilty gift. As you remember, I have been sharing stories that were put in the um, Quilting for the Rest of Us group in the Quiltcast supergroup in Big Tent. I had posted the question a couple of months ago now about what was the greatest quilty or most meaningful quilty gift you have ever given. And this week, I am sharing with you the story from Quilt and Jewel. Quilt and Jewel says, and and I think... um, 
I picked this one out today. It's more or less random. I just kind of scroll through and find somebody and decide, okay, that's who I'm going to do this week. This one, I think it was because um, we're decorating our tree tonight in our house. So it kind of struck me as being very timely. Quilt and Jewel Story. One of the quilts that I loved giving and continues to be special was made for my mother, also a quilter. When my siblings and I were born, my great aunt, mom's aunt, made each of us a flannel Christmas stocking with our names on it. We used them for all our childhood years, but they had been showing much wear, so eventually mom retired them. Several years later, I asked my sisters and father to quietly find the Christmas stockings. I then asked them to mail, yes, mail the heirlooms to me. I worried and fretted the entire time they were in transit, but arrive in good condition they did. I then took the stockings and made a Christmas tree skirt, which incorporated the stockings, one in each section, one section with the label story of the stockings, this hole from the dog, this stain from the rubber cement, etc. The stockings were sandwiched under tools so as not to compromise the stockings further. I was so pleased with how it turned out, and Mom was so surprised to receive it as she had not yet realized that the stockings had been taken. Now the skirt graces the base of their artificial Christmas tree each year, and we are once again enjoying the stockings. Thanks so much for sharing that, Quilt and Jewel. It's a great story. It was a very creative idea of what to do with those stockings, and I am dying to see a picture. So if you can uh, manage to get your mom to sneak a picture and, and send it to us, that would be fantastic. I'd love to see it. Thanks again. And for those of you who are not members yet of Big Tent, um, take this as your encouragement to join Big Tent. We have lots of great conversations like that. And there are a lot of those gift stories that I just was not able to share. And I probably won't be sharing any more now that we're sort of moving into other things. Uh, So do join Big Tent, uh, join the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup, and then you can read all those stories for yourself. There's a lot of great ones there. Okay, moving on, I have um, an announcement about one of the next challenge. I've actually got two new challenges I'm I'm starting. One of them, if you recall, we had talked about this a little bit last week. Um, You are going to become sort of honorary members of my guild. Isn't that fun? My guild, that's not a guild. Sorry, we're not officially a guild. We're a bee. Uh, But you're going to get to be part of our bee in terms of our stash mystery challenge. I had asked um, members of the Big Tent Quiltcast, uh, of the Big Tent Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup, whether they would like to do another creativity challenge or whether they'd rather join in the stash mystery challenge that I'm officiating for my guild. And by far and away, everybody wanted to do the stash mystery challenge. So I'm going to announce the first theme today. And that's because I am announcing the first theme to my guild next week, next Tuesday. So you are on the same schedule as they are. And it's a quarterly stash mystery challenge. So I'm announcing a theme now, and the deadline will be in March. And then in March, I'll announce another theme, and the deadline will be three months after that. You get the picture. Now, for my guild, they have to join for the entire year, and there's... um, rules and regs about they each put in a fat quarter to register and um, they can they have to complete three out of the four challenges by the end of the year for their names to be in the final drawing etc obviously much of that would be virtually impossible to manage with a podcast audience so instead we're just going to take it quarter by quarter you don't have to send me a fat quarter to enter Um, I'm just going to uh, give you a little prize each time we do a drawing at the end of the quarter as well so Here's the first quarter mystery theme. I feel like I should be cueing some sort of spooky music in the background, but here we go. Brr, it's cold and snowy outside. At least it is where I live. Help yourself remember what warm feels like by anticipating spring. Create a project somehow related to flowers. 
This could be done using a floral fabric, using applique flowers, making folded fabric flowers, whatever, as long as it has something to do with flowers. And you must use at least two fabrics from your stash in the project. The project can be of any size or nature. It just has to be quilty. So tote bags, sewing machine covers, fabric coasters, and the like will count just as much as a full-size bed quilt. Hence, I am not giving the total amount of fabric you need to use from your stash, as that's going to depend on what your project is. If you personally want to use up a lot of your stash, make a large project. Also, the project does not need to be unique to this challenge. If you have a UFO that you want to finish, and it'll be enhanced by adding applique flowers using two fabrics from your stash, bingo! If you're working on a challenge block for another guild, and you can do something floral using two fabrics from your stash, you're good to go. Get the picture? The project also does not need to be completely completed, but it has to be recognizable for what it will eventually be. In other words, for example, you can do a pieced center of a throw quilt, even if you still want to add borders later. You can have several applique blocks, even if they're not pieced together into a top yet. You can't. However, send me a picture of a bunch of fabric pieces cut up in a plastic bag. (laughs) Okay, one way to measure this. Could someone guess what your project will be when it's finished by looking at it right now? If you're not sure whether your um, project is complete enough, send me a picture of it well before the deadline so that I can let you know, no, I can't figure out what that's supposed to be. (laughs) You're going to have to do a little more work on it before it can be entered in the drawing. So to be entered into the drawing, you need to send me a picture by midnight, Monday, March 7th, so that you can be entered in the drawing. Why March 7th? You might ask. That's an unusual date. Well, that's because Tuesday the 8th is my guild meeting. And I'm sorry, my B meeting. And that's when they're going to be bringing their completed projects. So I'm putting you on the same schedule. So you've got to get to me by Monday, March 7th. And that means also, if you send me pictures, I can print them out and bring them to my guild. I've done that with the uh, the creativity challenges before, and they always get a kick out of that. So it's always fun to have you along with me at my guild meeting. If you can't be there in person, you'll be there in picture. Okay, so again, if you want to participate in the Stash Mystery Challenge, you have to do something related to flowers. You need to use at least two fabrics from your stash. It does not need to be completed, but it needs to be recognizable. And you need to send me the picture by midnight, Monday, March 7th. And I'm going to put that all on the show notes to this episode. Remember, when you go to quiltingfortherestofus.com, there are some tabs across the top, and one of those tabs is the challenge. And right now the holiday challenge is up there, but I'm going to switch it now that the holiday challenge is done. And I'm going to be putting the Stash Mystery Challenge clue up there. So all of that information will be posted on the show notes to this episode. Okay, another announcement. Something else I'm going to be doing in 2011. For an upcoming episode, I am going to be recording a conference call with several, I'm not going to call them experts, let's call them experienced people in applique. So to make that happen, I need no more than five volunteers um, from my listening audience of people who consider themselves not experts, but experienced in applique. And the reason I keep doing that is because, again, this is quilting for the rest of us. I'm not big on on 
naming certain people experts at things. They are simply more experienced (laughs) at them. And so if you consider yourself somebody who's kind of got it going on where applique is concerned, if you um, feel like you could help share some tips, um, maybe give some people some pointers that would be really helpful, that kind of thing, let me know who you are. Um, I, it's, it gets difficult if you try to do a conference call with more than about five people and have it make any sense whatsoever. So I'm going to kind of keep it limited to that. If I get more than five people who respond to me as people who would like to be um, on that panel, then I'll work it out. Because I want to, if this works well, this is something I want to do over and over again, where I'm going to set up these periodically on various topics and we'll get some people, um, who can answer questions, etc. So we'll, we'll work on it. If you are not able to do the applique one, then maybe we can get you on, on a different one. But let me know who you are. I'd like to do that. I want to try to set up the conference call for some time, um, probably towards the end of January. And what I will do is once we know when that's going to happen, I will let the podcasting audience know. I'll announce that in one of these episodes. And you'll send me your questions. If there's something you're really not sure how to do an applique or if, you know, just a a gadget you want to ask about or, you know, whatever, you send me your questions and then we will use those on the conference call and I will record the conference call using Skype and then I will share that conference call as an episode. So, keep your fingers crossed that this all works. I have certainly recorded um, interviews over Skype, but I've only ever done it with one person at a time. I haven't tried to do a conference call and I know I can, I just haven't done it. So we'll just have to pray that it all works well. Um, So again, let me know if you are somebody who feels like you've got enough experience and applique that you could be answering questions. Let me know who you are and email me. And then um, once we have a few people, we'll start working on getting something set up and then I'll get questions from the audience. So that's something I'm really looking forward to trying to work out. Cause like I said, I always have more fun when I'm talking to other people than when I'm sitting here alone in my little office talking to myself. That's all my announcements. Um, again, thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to everybody for leaving comments everywhere. Um, it's a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. That's kind of why I do this. <laughs> so, so keep me doing it and keep talking to me. Let's talk about quilty resolutions. Why make resolutions? New resolutions get a bad rap because we all know we break them. You know, so a lot of people say, why bother making them at all? I am a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. I do this every year. I also tend to do it at the end of August for September. I'm kind of on an academic calendar (laughs) mentally, even though I don't work in an academic world. uh, I still just am on that calendar. And so to me, September in a lot of ways feels an awful lot like January 1st. So I kind of tend to do this a couple times a year. Um, I am a very goal-oriented person. I like to have goals. I like to feel like I'm working towards something mostly because then I can feel like I've accomplished something. Um, I'm an inveterate list maker. And yes, I will, as I'm making my list of things to do, I definitely am one of those people who will put a few things at the top of the list that I've already done, (laughs) just so I can cross them off and feel like I've accomplished something. You know, it's that kind of forward motion thing. I really like having goals, having a time frame, having deadlines um, to keep me focused and to keep me moving forward. I actually hit a time a few years back where I had suddenly achieved a lot of the goals I had set out for myself and kind of in life goals. And I really felt adrift for a few months until I could kind of reshape my head around, all right, 
I've I've reached this point now. What does that mean? What's next? You know, where am I going to go next? And so I I did have to kind of rework my life, and and that's just sort of who I am. Um, you may not be quite that uh, intense, <laughs> I guess, about goals, but still, goals do help you move forward because they give you something to reach for. The other reason I like to make resolutions or like to make goals is. In order to make a goal, you have to go through a time of reflection first. You have to think through what it is you feel you've been missing. You have to think through what your hopes or dreams are. You need to picture yourself in the future looking back. You know, you need to be able to say, what would I like to be able to say I've accomplished a year from now? And I enjoy that process. I like kind of putting myself into the future, looking back on where I am now and and trying to see where do I want to go. Um... I probably just explained that in as about as circular a fashion as I possibly could, but I think, I hope you're still with me. Um, I I do like that process. I like being able to think, what do I want to do next? What is it going to take me to get there? Um, and, and how can I achieve that? Now, does that mean I haven't done my fair share of breaking New Year's resolutions? Absolutely. But what I like about setting goals is by the very act of setting a goal and at least trying to meet that goal means I'm already a step ahead where I would have been had I not set the goal at all. Okay. So even if I eventually break the new year's resolution, chances are I've done more than I would have done had I not made it in the first place anyway. So I'm okay with the whole idea of breaking New year's resolutions. That does not bother me in the least. It means I've already put myself a step ahead. So what I have found over the years, I've gotten much better at this. I used to not make particularly good New Year's resolutions, or I used to make too many of them, and I'll talk about that more later. I have gotten so that I make fewer goals, but they are um, more meaningful goals, I think. And I don't want to necessarily say easier to keep, but they are the type of goals that even if I don't meet them, I will still be ahead with whatever I've managed to do. So let's talk a little bit about um, goals, resolutions, whatever word you want to use with them. Um, there is an acronym, maybe you have heard it, called SMART goals. And SMART stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Timely. I did make goals for a long time or make New Year's resolutions that were probably none of those things. <laughs> and those are the hardest resolutions to keep. The more you can pay attention to these elements when you're making a goal, the more likely it is you will actually achieve your goal or keep your resolution. Okay, so let's talk through this a little bit. SMART goals. S in SMART stands for specific. So let's put it in quilty terms. Rather than a goal that simply says, I'm going to sew more in 2011. That's not particularly specific because what does more mean? More compared to what? Um, how will you know when you've met more? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. That's that's not a specific enough goal to really be useful to you. So instead of saying, I will sew more in 2011, you could say something like, I will sew at least half an hour a day, four days a week. Being really specific helps you wrap your mind around what you're planning to achieve. Okay. The same thing, you know, my classic New Year's resolution for many years has been like probably for, you know, 75% of the population, I will lose weight. Well, I have found that's not a useful goal to make. I will lose weight. It's it's not specific enough. And there's other reasons why it's not useful. So instead of saying that, to be able to say, I am going to eat fish, uh, 
<laughs> Can you tell that's a hard resolution for me to make? I will eat fish at least once a week. Um, don't send me recipes. <laughs> By the way, I'm working on it. Um, you know, you can set up very specific goals that will then achieve the results you're looking to achieve. So make sure when you're thinking through your New Year's resolutions or your goals to, to see if they're specific enough. The second letter, M, stands for measurable, which is how will you know when you've achieved your goal? So let's, again, use that same example. I will sew more. How will you measure what more is? You can't measure more so much. And more is a very, you know, waffly kind of thing. Okay, well, I sewed more this week than I did last week, but two weeks ago I, you know, did a great week. So how do you measure more? You can't really. Uh, So instead of that, you can say, again, I will sew at least half an hour a day. If you only get half an hour a week to sew now, you know that half an hour a day, four days a week is measurable. That's more. You can tell when you've done that. Okay. The third letter, attainable, A, attainable. Uh, one, a website that I was um, looking for ideas for this said, when you identify goals that are most important to you, you begin to figure out ways you can make them come true. You develop the attitudes, abilities, skills, and financial capacity to reach them. You begin seeing previously overlooked opportunities to bring yourself closer to the achievement of your goals. Okay, so that's attainable. It's, it's a, there's a balance that needs to be struck between challenging yourself with your goal and yet having it still be something that you could actually have a hope of meeting. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more um, with the next letter. But let's look at it this way. If you've been quilting for, let's say, all of three weeks (laughs) when you're listening to this episode, you could certainly say that your goal, your resolution for 2011 is to become a celebrity quilter in 2000, you know, by December 31st, 2011. That certainly could be a goal. Perhaps it's an attainable goal for you. For most of us, however, maybe not so much. In order to decide to do that, you will need to develop the attitudes, abilities, skills, and financial capacity to reach that goal. So let's look at that next step, R, realistic. Is your goal realistic? Um, The same website that I was looking at said your goal must be something towards which you are both willing and able to work. Okay, it may not be realistic to assume that you could go from zero to 60 in one second. (laughs) Okay, yeah, there are some folks that might have the ability to become celebrity quilters in a year when they've just started quilting. But for most of us, it's going to take a little bit longer than that. So what steps could you set up as goals to help reach your overall dream of being a celebrity quilter? Is there a more realistic set of goals that you could set for 2011 that will eventually help you become a celebrity quilter? Now, for my own sake, let's get off the celebrity quilter thing, because personally, I have no desire to do that. Um, For me, I don't particularly want quilting to become my job. I know for a lot of people there, you know, that's your thing. You, You love quilting and you love the fact that you can hopefully earn a living at it. If not earn a living, you can at least earn enough to keep your habit going. Um, That's not me. I would find that stressful. I enjoy 
quilting as a creative outlet with no stress involved in it. In fact, I go so far as to, I've had a couple of family members over the years offer to pay me to make quilts, you know, for their houses, for their children, whatever. Um, And I always refuse to take the money. I won't even let them pay for the fabric because in my head, if I make them something as a gift, they have to like it. (laughs) They, They can't, they're not even allowed to look at the mistakes. That's the rules of gifts. You can't even look or notice the mistakes. So that's how I approach it. Um, but for some people, yes, you know, the idea that you could earn a living doing something you love so much is, is real bonus for you. And that's great. Um, so for me though, I'm, my goal is not going to be celebrity quilting. It's to perhaps improve certain skills for my own sake so that I find, you know, the parts of quilting, quilt making that I find a little bit stressful now because I'm not particularly good at it. My 2011 goal is to get better at that skill, not to be able to enter shows, not to be able to teach classes, not to be able to do any of those things, just so that I have more fun doing it, that it comes easier to me and it, it takes the stress away. So that's why I'm looking to improve certain skills for my own sake. It may not be realistic for me personally to think that by the end of 2011, I will be able to make a gorgeous, full-out Hawaiian-style needle-turn applique um, quilt by hand, you know, by the end of 2011. If nothing else, I don't have the time. But (laughs) I could certainly set a goal or two that would help me improve my applique skills, for example, take a class or make a small project, that kind of thing. So I, I tend to break my big dreams down into here are some small achievable goals that might eventually get me to where I want to go. On the other hand, like I said earlier, it's perfectly okay to stretch yourself with a goal. In fact, if we're not kind of challenging ourselves a little bit, moving ourselves forward, then we're going to stay in the same place and maybe even start moving backwards. So it is okay to stretch yourself. As the saying goes, reach for the moon and you'll end up in the stars. You know, if you can reach for the moon, you may not make the moon, but you'll at least get the stars. And that's kind of what I was saying before with the reason I make resolutions in the first place. Even if I know chances are, you know, I'm more than likely going to end up breaking them. But just by virtue of having made the resolution and worked towards it for a little while, I'm already ahead. I've ended up maybe not in the stars, but maybe in, you know, the the meteor ring (laughs) just below the stars, wherever. I don't know where that metaphor is going to go. So we'll leave it and move on. All right. The T, smart T, timely. Your goal needs a time frame. Okay, so... The organization that I work for, we have a strategic plan. And you would think I'd be all about strategic plans. I've mentioned goals. I've mentioned lists. Strategic plans are nothing more than lists of goals. <laughs> it kind of brings, it's sort of the perfect storm of what I really enjoy. However, where I find strategic plans a little frustrating is that often items seem to get added to our strategic plan that don't have a time frame. They're ongoing things. You know, there's something we can never cross off as done. And I find that difficult because if there's something that just stays on your list forever and ever and ever, and you can never actually cross it off as done, then there's something wrong with that item. So, you know, that that's not the point. The point is not to just put something on your list. The point is actually to be able to cross it off in the long run. You need to know when you've accomplished something. So your goal needs to have a time frame on it. Um, obviously, when we come to New Year's resolutions, that makes 2011. You know, you're saying by the end of 2011, by New Year next year, I want to have done such and such. But you may also be able to put other time frames on that. You know, by March, I want to have been able to 
completed Sandy's Stash Mystery Challenge, for example. Um, there's all sorts of other kind of mini time frames you can set in there. So make sure you put a time frame on there. The other time, the other things that time frames do for you, there's actually a lot that time frames do for you. I'm a person that likes a deadline. Um, well, no, I have a love-hate relationship with deadlines. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, deadlines will sometimes be the bane of my existence, but at the same time, if I have something that doesn't have a deadline, it tends not to get done. I have to give myself a deadline. There's a lot of times that my supervisor at work will give me a project and just say, oh, you know, whenever you can get to this, and I will look her in the eye and I'll say, no, <laughs> you have to give me a deadline or I can guarantee you now it's not going to get done. So I have to have that kind of an, an end point towards which I'm working. The other thing that deadlines um, do for you or timeframes do for you is if you don't make the time, the deadline. Okay. If you say to yourself, I'm going to do such and such by such and such a date and you get to that date and it's not done, it kind of forces you to then assess that item. Now, obviously this is not going to be universally true. You know, there's some things when my supervisor gives me a job, I just have to get it done regardless of when it gets done. You know, that that's just, I, there's no assessing about it. It's just, it's got to happen. But it, let's look at in our quilt making life. If you have said, for example, I'm going to get this UFO done by um, April 15th by tax day, whatever. Um, and you get to that date and that UFO is still not done you will then, if you look at that goal and you look at the deadline, you, you look at the UFO and you say, okay, well, it's not done. You need to stop and think, why didn't it get done? Okay. If you look at why it didn't get done and you say, oh, well, I just got really busy. Um, you know, a lot of things on, it happened unexpectedly and so it just didn't get done. Okay, that's fine. So then you reschedule your deadline. All right, I didn't get it done by April 15th, but now I'm really determined to get it done by May 15th or June 15th or whatever. You set your new deadline and you move on. If, however, you get to that date and the UFO isn't done, you'll look at it and you'll say, all right, why didn't I get it done? Well, I didn't get it done because there's that one thing I'm stuck on. I don't know how to fix, you know, that part of it. Well, that will make you then think, what do I need to learn or what new tool do I need to do or what do, do I have to give it a little bit of time? Do I need just an afternoon? What do I have to do to get myself unstuck? And then that will become your goal. All right, well, I decided I, it really needs something. Maybe what it really needs is applique, but that means I need to learn applique. So, all right, next month I'm going to take that applique class I've been looking at at the quilt store. You know, you understand where I'm going with that. It makes you assess what it is that's made you stuck. And then you can move on. But let's look at a third scenario. Say you get to that, that de deadline you've set for yourself and you look at that UFO and you say, oh, I kind of forgot I was going to finish that. That's right. Uh and you look at the UFO and you think, I really don't want to finish it. That's okay. Okay, go back to my, I did an episode, I think, once before on UFOs <laughs> and talked about it's okay to decide you never want to see another UFO again. Um, a deadline kind of forces that assessment. If you get to that deadline and you haven't finished that UFO and you decide it's really because you just don't like that UFO anymore, that's okay. Cross that goal as accomplished and give the UFO away. So having a time frame on goals serves a lot of different purposes. It gives you a deadline to work towards, but it also gives you a natural assessment point, at which point you can decide how you need to move forward. All right. Now, some other tips. That's SMART. So remember, SMART goals are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. If you remember nothing else from that, just 
walk out of wherever you are listening to this episode thinking smart goals, smart goals. All right, so here's some other tips I got off the same website I referred to earlier, and I will put the website link in the show notes. I will give him due citation. Uh, Not a quilting website. It was called something like Total Achievement or something like that. I don't remember the name of the website. Um, But, you know, he had some good stuff to say. So here's a couple of other tips I got from him and also some of my own. First, from him, make sure your goals are something you really want and not just something that sounds good. Okay, for me, I think of this as the difference between should and want to. Okay, so as a quilter, sometimes I feel a little pressure to be making quilted gifts for everybody I know having a baby or getting married. That's not because all of those people are asking me for those quilts. It's because I'm reading blogs and I'm hearing people in my guild talking about making this or that other gift for a coworker or somebody in their church or whatever. And I'm feeling a slight twinge of guilt because I'm thinking, should I be doing that? (laughs) I know a lot of people having babies. I know a lot of people getting married. I haven't given a one of them a quilted gift. Am I supposed to be doing that? I'm a quilter. That seems to be what quilters do. But you know what? The reality is, I don't particularly want to. (laughs) And even if I did want to, my schedule really wouldn't make that goal realistic. So you have to think about the goals that you want to achieve, not the ones that you feel you somehow should achieve or that other people expect from you or whatever. That's kind of an important thing to do. I think especially, uh, you know, I, I always hesitate to say something like this, but I think especially for us as women, we tend to get caught up in other people's expectations of us or the obligations, the things we feel we should be doing for other people. And a lot of our goals have to do with things like that. Um, And that's all wonderful stuff. But when we talk about um, smart goals and making resolutions and that kind of thing, they have to be something you really want um, because otherwise you're not going to be as motivated to achieve them. Number two, his tip, a goal cannot contradict any of your other goals. Okay, this is sort of actually related to realistic. You need the means to achieve your goals, to set a goal that involves a financial expenditure you just can't afford. One, not going to work. Two, probably going to make a lot of people unhappy in your life if you try to do that. So, you know, the other thing, maybe setting two goals. One, you're going to spend three hours a day at the gym and another, you're going to spend three hours a day at your sewing machine. You know, most of us just don't have six hours a day that we're not doing other things that are necessary to our survival. Um, So you have to make sure your goals are realistic and don't stand in contradiction to each other or to other things you have to do. Kind of look at the big picture. Another tip from him, although I've heard this in other places, put your goal in the positive rather than the negative. So rather than saying I'm going to stop doing X, it's more effective to say I'm going to do Y. Thinking positively is pretty much a good idea in all areas of life. We get ourselves bogged down when we look at the negative. You know, I I have to say I've talked about weight-related goals. I've had them (laughs) pretty much every year of my adult life. But I've I've learned that's something I need to think about in terms of my health-related goals, too. When I say I'm going to lose X number of pounds by such and such a date, losing is actually kind of looking at it in a negative. You know, it's, we think of it as a positive, but the word lose, that's a negative. What tends to happen is I give up. As soon as it becomes obvious, I'm not going to make that goal. So instead now, to put it in positive, rather than I'm going to lose X number of pounds, I focus on the habits rather than the results. I'm going to eat the recommended servings of fruit and vegetables a day, or I'm going to go to the gym four times a week or whatever. You know, I focus on the habits and I put it in positive statements of things I'm going to do rather than things I'm not going to do. 
if I do a good job of focusing on those positive habits, those results are going to take care of themselves. But that means the results, they're no longer my negative focus and an excuse to beat myself up because heaven knows I have enough reasons to beat myself up. I do it quite regularly. So, you know, the, the fewer reasons I can give myself, the better. So think of putting yourself, putting your goals in the positive rather than the negative. Okay, another tip from him, write your goal down and in detail. And to this, I do heartily concur. I am a note taker. I don't know that I've ever fully moved out of the academic mind frame. Apparently, I'm still on an academic calendar in my head, and I still practice the habit of taking notes when I hear people talk. It's just sort of somebody starts talking, and I whip out a pen and start writing it down. Um, Now, I have the benefit of having a laptop, and I bring it to meetings, and I'm able to type fast enough that I can really almost type notes verbatim while people are talking. You know, a few abbreviations and missed words here and there, but for the most part, I can um, type pretty quickly. And I do that. Primarily because just the very act of writing it down helps me remember it better. As often as not, I don't really have to refer back to the notes, you know, within a reasonable amount of time, because just the act of having written it down cements it into my brain better. So um, when you make goals, writing them down helps you remember those goals better. Also, you can refer to it, of course, later. And we're going to talk about ways you might want to do that. Um, And then it also... It helps you put it in more detail. Seeing it written down, you can then think through, smart, okay, is this specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely? Whereas if you're doing that all in your head, it just kind of gets all very waffly, and then there's stray thoughts about, oh, did I feed the cat? Um, And that gets messed up in there, and then you start thinking about goals related to your cat (laughs) and all sorts of stuff. So write it down um, to help you remember it, to help you work it out, make sure it's actually a measurable goal. And here's my own tip And this actually went in contradiction to something he said in his uh, website. Don't set too many goals. You need to allow room for serendipity. All right. As I said, I'm a big New Year's resolution fan. I do them every year. Um, I do fewer and fewer every year. When I was younger, I used to make myself, um, I used to have categories and I would fill in, you know, I'd do like personal and health and um, spiritual or um, mental or whatever, you know, I'd have these different categories and then I'd say, okay, I'm going to set three goals in each of these categories. And that was great and it worked for me for a while. But eventually I found myself so bogged down in all these things I felt like I wanted to do in the year that when something came up sort of unexpected, it would throw me off. So what I have learned is to make fewer goals and allow room for serendipity. Now, post your goals somewhere you'll see them. Um, the, the guy on the website said you should look at them every day. I don't necessarily know that I have to look at them every day. Um, it would probably be helpful to look at them every couple of weeks, once a month, just to sort of check your progress, keep you focused, remind yourself of them. Um, you know, if, if they're quilty related, put them on a bulletin board in your sewing room so you're checking them frequently. Uh, if you're on your computer, maybe you can figure out a way to put an item on your calendar, your to-do list that'll remind you, you know, a flag, you know, will come up every couple of weeks to remind yourself of them and check your progress. Um, Another thing that strikes me, sometimes I've done this, is I've actually set goals that I can finish early in the year. (laughs) And then I allow myself the rest of the year to just play. So I may set goals that are specific to the first three or four months of the year, Um, I tend to have a little bit of a work first, play later mentality, but 
when I've done the work, I can feel such this great sense of, res- uh, of accomplishment that I almost feel like I'm rewarding myself with play. So that's another idea is maybe you can set goals that are early in the year and then you've got the rest of the year to just hang out and have fun. Um, now, speaking of your goals, the guy on the website suggested not sharing them with anybody because he said, you know, their negativity can bring you down. A lot of people take great joy in shooting down other people's goals. And that's true, certainly. Um, but other sites that I've seen, especially those about weight loss, like I said, this has been a, a concern for me, um, do tell you to share your goals with somebody and ask them for accountability. I really think that's something you're the only person who knows what would work well for you. Some people work better if they are internally motivated and don't have anybody on the outside telling them what to do. Um, other people work better when they are working within community. Um, some of that's an introvert extrovert kind of thing, but that's a different podcast episode. And the other thing obviously that matters is who you are surrounded by. If you are around people who would by and large be supportive, then by all means share with your goals with them. Um, you know, if there's a super competitive quilter in your guild, and we've all met them, uh, sharing your goals with her may end up being an uncomfortable conversation. She might actually cut you down. You know, do you think your skills are really up to that? That's not the kind of thing you want to hear. And it's likely to make you give up before you've even started trying. Unless you're a super competitive person and you think, oh, I'm going to show you, you know, and then it's a motivating factor. So you have to know yourself on that. Um, if you've got a supportive friend, maybe your goals could become shared goals. If some of your goals involve taking quilting classes, you can share them with her, share those goals with her, and she may say, you know what, that would be great. Let's do that together. And then you've got somebody else that's helping you achieve your goals. So you just kind of need to think through that one. Think through whether it would be helpful to share your goals with somebody else or not. All right, so what's the end result of this episode on quilty resolutions? During the month of January, from January 1, well, you know, you might as well start now. We've only got a week left. So after you've listened to this episode through January 31st, send me your quilty resolutions, only the quilt-related ones. I um, applaud you if you have resolutions in other parts of your life, but um, I'm just looking for the quilty-related ones myself. And everybody who sends me resolutions will get your names entered in a drawing um, after January 31st. So say February 1, that would be... (laughs) So um, I what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a page on the show notes of this episode at quiltingfortherestofus.com. So when you go to that page and you see the tabs across the top, there will be one marked resolutions and you can share your resolutions right on that page. Just use the comments um, feature on that page and put your resolutions there. Um, and that way your resolutions may inspire somebody else. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I'd like to make a quilty resolution, but I don't know what it might be, go ahead and read other people's resolutions. It might give you some ideas. Um, I'm not going to post mine. If you listen to this episode, like immediately as soon as it goes live, you may not find my uh, resolution up there yet. I'm still waffling on a couple of pieces of it. Um, I might post what I've decided so far and then um, change it up later. If you have a resolution that you don't want anybody else to see, go ahead and email it to me. But I really encourage you, you know, again, this is sort of the public thing. I will tell you that our listener audience is not critical, (laughs) which is a good thing because they're still listening to me. Um, But anyway, they are not people who are going to cut you down. They're going to support you. So I would really encourage you to post your quilty resolutions there um, for all the listeners to see. Um, But if you really would prefer to keep it private just between you and me, then go ahead and email it to me. And please, when you email it to me, mark that you don't want it shared publicly because I may forget (laughs) and read it online. Um, So anyway, 
again, send post your quilty resolutions on the show notes. I'm sorry, on the show notes page on quilting for the rest of us on the resolution page. And um, by midnight, January 31st, midnight, my time. Um, although, honestly, I'm asleep after midnight, so it could be midnight West Coast time, and I'd never know, or midnight, I don't know, uh, Australia. I don't know how far you are different time zone-wise. Maybe you could let me know. Anyway, um, send them by January 31st. I'll do the drawing February 1st, whatever that means for you in your time zone. And I'm really looking forward to reading your resolutions. And that is it for this episode. So remember, you can contact me, um, quilting, yes, www.quiltingfortherestofus.com, or you can um, find us on Flickr. We have a Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Flickr. Uh, join the Big Tent Quiltcast supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup from there. Find us on Facebook, which is the one I keep forgetting to mention. <laughs> we are on Facebook, Quilting for the Rest of Us. Uh, and you'll find links to all of that on the quiltingfortherestofus.com page. You will also find my email address, sandyquilts at gmail.com. And um, I think my flick, my Twitter uh, name is up there too, Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. Follow me so I can follow you. And I think that's it. I will catch up with you in a couple of weeks. So until then, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Love you, Mom.